Welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. This is a show where my guests and I explore and expand on all things mindset, leadership, and communication. On the show, I interview inspiring leaders, business owners, and entrepreneurs from all walks of life, where they share their stories, experiences, and lessons. This is a podcast for you if you're looking to learn, grow, and accelerate your life, career, and who you are. Hi, and welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. Wherever you are in the world, whether you're listening in or viewing the video, we welcome you today. Presentation skills. Presentation skills have never been more important to artfully convey a message in an efficient and effective way that creates impact and makes a difference to others. Today, I am super excited to welcome David Fish. Welcome, David. Good morning. Uh, lovely to be here and to share this conversation with you. Yes, and I, I'd love to um, just give give our listeners a bit of background. So you're a globally recognised strategist, business leader, and record-breaking pilot. We will go into that. Driven by a desire to make sense of how things work, you have a natural ability to bring simplicity to the complex, removing sales barriers and making things easier to buy. Um, David has a 30-year career in marketing and advertising that saw him rise to become Chief Strategy Officer and he has worked with and advised some of the world's largest brands as well as global agency networks, tech startups, and media companies, giving him a deep understanding of what it takes to connect, engage, and convince. He applies his expertise to help others connect the strategic dots and unlock growth through relentless simplification of the strategic story, refining focus, and curating strategic plans that guide commercial outcomes, as well as helping sales teams become more confident and strategic storytellers. So welcome, David. Thank you. That's um, quite an intro. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. And um, we will deep delve into your amazing new book, um, What It Takes to Create Winning Presentations. I'd love to kick off today, um, David, just to, you know, get a bit of a backstory on what's helped you become who you are and who you're continually becoming. Great, great question. What's helped me become who I am? <laughs> um, I think one of the things that defines my career and, and even the work I do now is variety in perspective. So I started out client side. I went from client side into agency, different types of agency from independence to large groups. Uh, I went to media owner and then back into different types of agency. And so it's it's kind of I think of it like travel. When you when you travel, you change perspective. If you if you never leave the town you live in, you think that's the center of that's that is the world. When right. you're outside your town, you realize there's different towns and different cultures. And and I and I see business the same when you work in different organizations, but different industries and different perspectives of different industries, you you become more rounded as a person. You have more empathy mm. to how different businesses interact with your business, why certain challenges are, are there. And how you might be able to solve for those. So now I feel a variety. So that that suits my personality type. I, I love understanding how things work. And when I understand how something works, and I want to make it better. And I get to a point where I'm like, oh, done home loans, done credit cards. What can I do in auto? Okay, done auto. What can I do in booze? I've worked in wine and beer. And so I love yeah, understanding like industries. <laughs> yeah. Really? That feeds my brain. Um yeah. Yeah. And I know for some people, they have to push themselves to get out of their comfort zone and experience different. But mm. I encourage everyone I work with to try and get perspective, to see the world through as many angles as possible. I love that because then you get a multifaceted view, I mean, and you can understand diversity of ideas, thoughts, opinions, and I think it helps you become more curious. And more rounded. You know, yeah. that, that's like, it's like a diamond. If you only look through a diamond yeah. through one angle, you only see one side. But if you start holding it up to the light, you see all of these dynamics that uh, mm. start to reveal themselves. And I think I think the world, but also businesses like that, it's yeah. fascinating um, as yeah. you start to explore those perspectives. And it's forever changing. You know, I say, you know, we're in a new world of work and things have mm. changed and the way we lead 
connect, engage and present has to change as well. David, I'd love to ask you before we go into the book, I, I have a, um, a concept or a mindset I've lived by since I was 23, which is the gift mindset, which is all about embracing, I guess, adversity and welcoming the unwelcome. What's what's a gift? What's a lesson that you've learnt that you've been using to progress yourself forward? So my 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 gift is being able to connect dots. I can I can see patterns in dots, and I think the thing that I didn't see that. So other people saw it in me, and I didn't see it in myself. And so the the barrier is not listening to what other people, the positive things other people see in you. We're yeah. very quick to listen to the criticism and the, the feedback. Human nature, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to asking, it's like asking some, literally asking someone, "What's the value I bring to you? Mm. What do you see as my superpower?" And that's a, it's a really, it's a weird question to ask somebody. Now, I do this probably every eighteen months with my clients. Um, what yeah. value do you see that I bring? What do you think my superpower is? Um, what are, what can I do with you that you can't do on your own? Mm. And those questions unlock a perspective of how that person organization sees me as a person and the value that I bring to them yeah. in a way that I may never get to on my own and I think our limitation is we, we we stress about trying to find our purpose and understand ourselves when actually if we just asked people we'd get there so much quicker totally agree I think we overthink things sometimes but if we externalize it and just ask it's a bit like um I always say communication styles. Years ago, I'd try and work out my clients. Now I just say, how do you want me to communicate with you? And I had someone the other week that said, don't email me, Renee. I'm in the car an hour every morning at this time. Just ring me. And it's been a game changer in that relationship, that interaction and the meaningful work we're doing with them. So I love that. that. We feel like we've got to figure it out. We've got to figure ourselves out. We've got to figure other people out. And actually, sometimes you can just ask the question. Spot on, spot on. So, David, who's, you know, a lot of our listeners are leaders and everyone's a leader. I I say it's three-dimensional. We lead self, we lead decisions, and we may or may not lead a team. You know, we have lots of business owners and entrepreneurs listening. Who's a leader that you admire and why? Mm. So. It's, it's an interesting time for this question because the uh, the person I put on that pedestal because it's a it's a big it's a big question because lots of people I admire mm. uh, and I'm inspired by for aspects of their leadership yeah um, but then, so they may be a great innovator but a terrible mm-hmm. leader of people they may be a great leader of people but struggle to manage up in an organization and manage shareholders and events so it's a really interesting the, the dynamics of that question um, the person I put on that pedestal. Uh, in the sort of totality of their leadership is Bob Iger. So Bob was, um, he's a long time um, Disney employee, um, through many facets of the Disney business, um, became their CEO, very successful CEO within the business in terms of his ability to run the business with commercial focus, uh, with how building a very, very strong and loyal leadership team and an incredible culture. And that I think is the challenge for senior leaders of listed businesses yeah. um, face that quarterly reporting cycle and the pressure of the external um, visibility of every move you make and can criticise that. And yeah. the fact that Bob's just been rehired having retired um, from the yes. business and come back in um, to help fix the business, um, I think is testament to not just what the, the, the shareholders and investors think, but clearly um the team is, is welcoming him back um yeah. so you know i think particularly in those those bigger jobs because often we go to the big you know we go to the steve jobs and we go to the elon musks and it's, uh, yeah. you know it's, I, I struggle a little bit as i say you know there's aspects of their leadership mm. i think is or the, or the traits of the person that i find interesting mm. do i rate them as a 360 leader not always no, no, no. And it's 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 quite a it's that's quite a common thought around it, isn't it? I'm a bit the same. It's it's a, I always say it's a bit like a network of friends. You have your party friend, your Zen friend, your supportive friend. It's it's a little bit the same. And I, I love that about Bob. I write about him in my book um around the gift of optimism because he rates optimism in the top six traits of leadership. Yeah. Um and I'm eternal optimist probably too much sometimes but 
Um, I love I love his his thought leadership and the fact that he's back in the chair. Yeah, I mean, that says a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, it's very rare to see someone of his experience, but also age. He retired. He made the decision yeah. to leave the business and and essentially you know, start to play a bit more golf and yeah. um, he's made <laughs> go back so and, and a long a long career so you know probably a hard career um yeah. so yeah I think that is testament to how rounded as a leader mm. he is and therefore um and I'd encourage anyone who hasn't read his book to read his book and it's yeah. that is an audio book it's actually a good audio book that one it's, a, it's a, yeah. an audio book for the car um Bob's yeah. book um and well worth a read yeah awesome awesome I um Speaking of gifts, you know, in, in your book you talk about what was, I suppose, a defining sort of moment or situation with the BMW story. Are you happy just to share that top line? And obviously we'll um, give all our listeners links to get to you and your book. Sure. What sort of happened and what was the key learning from that experience? Yeah, so this was a big one. I was an agency in London. Uh, we didn't have a car client. Car clients in advertising agencies are very lucrative. They do great work. They pay very well and they look great on your credentials. And our CEO wanted a car client and drove BMWs. So when we got the opportunity to pitch on BMW, it was super exciting. And of course, a lot of pressure to win this piece of business. Um, and pretty much from the outset, we were on the wrong track. We, we went straight into how great we are as an agency, how strategic we are, how amazing ideas we can come up with. And we came up with lots of amazing ideas and we didn't really stop early on. And this is on me as the head of strategy to think about what the client wanted from their agency yeah. partner, what they needed in to see from us. And so we galloped into this presentation with a, a very um, self-centered um, presentation and we spent 90 minutes talking about us and how wonderful we were and how amazing we were and how, all the wonderful things we could do. And by about 20 minutes in, you could see the client was starting to lose a little bit of interest and starting to get a little bit confused by some of the um, ideas we were powering through because we had so much to say about how great we were. Um, <laughs> and we, we, we kind of knew as we walked out, we were never going to hear from them again. It was, yeah. it was that terrible. It was painful for the last 20 or so minutes. Um, what was interesting about that experience, um, so we lost we lost that pitch. And the difference is sometimes you get beaten. Sometimes there is someone who is just better than you. Yeah. Better ideas, they're, be they're a better partner, and yeah. you, you lose to someone who is better. In this instance, I, I genuinely think we were the right partner, and we lost the pitch because we couldn't convey that message effectively mm -hmm. and we couldn't tell that story and it, and it yeah. didn't come across and so that was on us that was our fault that we lost that business um and it, it was so bad we never officially got told we didn't win it they just didn't contact That's us again more frustrating <laughs> yeah. and so it was painful enough that we sat down and debriefed it and that was the, the sort of aha moment was we dissected in a in a genuine uh desire to learn as opposed to find fault there were so many people although i led that there were so many people involved that if we tried to fire everyone at fault there'd be no one left yeah. um you know the cleaner was contributing ideas at two o'clock in the morning when they were walking past and seeing yeah, us working all this stuff that. on the wall yeah, you know? um so you know there was there was no finding blame there was finding ways we could improve and yeah. we sort of dissected where we went wrong we didn't really understand the client's problem we didn't orientate our narrative towards what they wanted mm -hmm. and we just talked about us um, yeah. And when we understood that, it was a few months later, we got the opportunity to pitch on Hyundai um, and we corrected all of our errors mm. um, and we approached it from the outset with a, a what do they need mindset? Where are they at as a business? Yeah. How do we help them? How do we demonstrate value in what we do to solve the needs that they have and yeah. move them forward as a business? And we won that piece of business. Which is amazing. So what was the biggest for our listeners? What 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 was the biggest learning or the biggest shift you had to make that went from not getting BMW to getting Hyundai? Can't be all about you. Can't be all about you. I love that. Yeah. We, we start with this predisposition of the world wants to know about us and the reality is nobody cares. No. In a business, business context, which is the space I work heavily in, but even in um b2c with consumer products we we, we have this self-entitlement of everyone cares about our business and our services and they want to buy us and they don't yeah. no um, what they want is their problem solved yeah. what they want is someone to help them make money or help them overcome the challenge that they face in the marketplace mm. which is stopping them from making money 
Um, and so when we understand that and we go, okay, oh, my orientation is how do I help you? Yeah. How does what I do, the people I have, the products, the services that I've created, mm-hmm. remove the barrier or roadblock that you've got? Yeah. Then I find value in the conversation, both as the recipient and as the presenter. Now we have a conversation around what we could do together. Yeah. That's the turning point when when you can get out. Often you'll start with what you've got because that's what you know. Yeah. Until you orientate that to what somebody else wants and needs, you're giving them no reason to care. Yeah, you're spot on. And it goes back, you know, to, to basic marketing and sales. You know, what what's the spoken problem? What's the unspoken problem? Um, and I think there's so much clutter, would you agree, at the moment? Like people are pitching, there's online, there's tenders, there's there's so much happening that you really need to stand out with your presentation and, and get your message across. A, a lot of being on the speaking circuit myself, there's a lot of leaders and CEOs that are presenting at conferences and, you know, they've, they've got the smarts, they've got the the info, but it's all about, you know, the delivery and projection as well. Um, your book is amazing and I love I love the layout and there's lots of visuals and I love that there's the 12 and I do all my things in 12s. I still don't know what's behind that, but when I saw the 12, I was like, um, are we able to maybe just do a quick run through, and I know you need to read the book, yeah. but just on what some of the key strategies are for our listeners that are presenting one-on-one to a team at a conference and off-site product launch through their yeah. business. Yeah. So the book's structured around 12 tools, and those 12 tools are put into four toolboxes. So the four toolboxes are clear, concise, compelling, and simple. Yeah. Clear is who is your audience, what do they care about, and what problem are you solving for them? That that essentially is the foundation of communication. Yeah. So it, I call it the anchor um, for a presentation. It, mm. It's like the anchor of a boat. When a, a boat doesn't have an anchor and it's in a harbour and the winds are strong, the boat will wash onto the rocks. And that's, that's right. what happens to presentations. Lots of people will contribute. Lots of people have got thoughts on what can go in. We need to sell that product. Don't forget, if we're selling that product, we can try and sell them this one and upsell them to that. That's all about us. Yeah. We're clear on the person, their needs, and the problem we're solving that anchors the presentation. And you can go, no, yeah. we don't want that piece of content. That's not right for this. Let's make that a separate yeah. presentation or that's not on message. Yeah. So getting clear is the first set of tools. Yeah. Then we need to be concise in the organization and the visualization of our content. Um, we will nearly always in most organizations have more content than we need for the situation that we're in, whether that's a keynote, whether it's an online presentation, whether it's a creds presentation or a pitch response. Guilty is charged, yes. <laughs> yeah. And we, we all, uh, I'm the same. We're all like there's there's a mountain of things we could say, you've got a bookshelf, I've got a bookshelf. We all refer, yeah. we pull content from those books and go on forever. Concise is about the organization, the optimization. So how do you control the flow of information to land the concept and then unpack the detail and help people navigate through your story, mm-hmm. even down to on a slide. Yeah. And how do you do as much as you can to visualize? Now, I have a belief that I've yet to be proven wrong on, which is every presentation can be can great, can be condensed down to a single page. I agree with that. A bit like strategy in a business, right? It's the same. If yeah. it's organized and optimized properly, yeah. you can get it on a page. If it's not, then you'll struggle. Yeah. So the tools work through in that second section on concise to get you to be able to do that, to get down to that is my presentation on a single page. Now, if I have to, I can sit in a restaurant and draw that on a napkin. Yeah, spot on. I can explain my concept. Yeah. Then we get into compelling. Now, compelling is the story structure. So how I'm very focused in particularly around sales and business communication on structuring content Mm. to support the presenter. Yeah. to help the audience stay connected to the story that you're telling and follow along. And this is critical online. Yeah. Um, and then help them take your content and present it on. In sales, we're expecting an audience to see content once and then become us and convince others of what they've seen. Not the case. Yeah. yeah. And so the story we tell, the way we tell that story, how we structure for a story, stories don't just happen. No. They, we have to establish the story. We have to navigate people through the story and we need to resolve yeah. the story. And the resolution it amazes me the number of presentations that end on a thank you slide. Yeah, yeah. That's not how movies end. You don't sit through Top Gun for an hour and 48 minutes and the last slide is thank you. Where there's a resolution to the story that yeah. we've just sat through and yet we don't do that in presentations. Yeah. And yet if we're telling a story, it can't end with 
here's the terms and conditions and all the reasons why we might not be able to work together, which I also see. So the story structure is so important in that compelling section. Um, And then simple is the helicopter view. Having done all that work, you've got a set of slides, you've got a story you want to tell. How do you look at that from the highest level and understand what is the plot of your story, the plan to move your audience through the story and the potential that you're delivering, which is the major benefits that they get from seeing and listening to you for 60, 90 minutes or an hour and a half or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's how the book is structured to work through those four sets of tools. Yeah. And they're tools so that people can grab them. You don't have to use That's all That's what I love. Yeah, and put their own spin even on some of those tools. Yeah. 100%. I love yeah. seeing what people do with them, to be honest, how people take them uh, and adapt them to work in their individual. And that's the thing, like you, I work across a lot of industries, a lot of different yeah. businesses. I don't want to build a presentation process or a communication no. process. It's got to work with how the business works within how they do sales, their sales strategy, their sales approach, how they communicate. Their values, the whole. I love, I love the bit around storytelling. I'm um, European background, and I mean, most cultures' stories go back to ancient times. But stories really do evoke emotion. And I even know David in a presentation I recently did. I was sharing some other people's stories, and someone actually went, "Renee, share that something that had happened to me," and it's. It, irony in your expertise right I felt a bit self-indulgent but I shared it and people were just blown away and loved it and it just connected everything and I think with AI and everything these human skills and this connection has as people are yearning for it even if they don't consciously realize it 100% 100% and uh, yeah, the book opens on a story which we just talked about my story yeah. of failure um, we remember stories our brain is wired to receive process and store information as a story yeah. Yeah. whether we tell one or not the brain wants to structure it that way it does so yeah. we we can help people remember us and remember what we said by doing that work for the brain yeah definitely definitely and I think it's um there's been some studies done around sharing statistics 20 times with some with a group and then sharing one story and all they remembered was a story. 100%. So I think that metaphors, the storytelling, the parables, all of those things are important. How much have you seen, and, you know, you're probably like me, we're, we're probably 60 70% face-to-face again because I love being in a room. We're still doing a lot of virtual. How much... What are, what's the main change we've got to make when we're presenting virtually, you whether really, it's Teams or Zoom or? Yeah, so the the one once you're not face to face, you lose the ability to bring people back to your content through eye contact. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your little window in the corner and your yeah. content's now full screen. Um, you can't really see where eye, people's eyes are looking, um, yeah. and so the structure of your content, so what's on the screen and what you're saying, must be in sync. Yeah. So yeah. when when someone is lost, which is what I'm saying no longer matches what you're seeing, the mm. brain stops listening because it goes into panic. It now wants to be found. Now, you imagine being lost in a forest. What yeah. you want is to find your way out. Mm. And so in a presentation, it's exactly the same. The minute I can't see on the slide what it is you're, you're narrating, I'm looking on that slide and you start to see what well, I call it action man eyes. The yeah. eyes start doing this. They start oh, yeah. the yeah, slide. Yeah. That is someone who is lost. Yeah. When they're lost, they're not listening. So everything you say after the moment they become lost is lost. Yeah. And if that's the most important point, they've missed it. Yeah. They're scanning yeah. the slide, trying to find their way back in, trying to find where you are. And if they can't, they disconnect. Yeah, totally. They give up trying. Yeah. Now, that's terrible, right? Imagine in a presentation, in a room, if you, if you saw that your entire group of people was heads down on their phones, tapping away. You know. You do something to bring them back into the room. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens online without us being able to to notice it so easily and control it. And so breaking content down, not having wordy slides, you know, 100 words on a slide, three bullet points, image that supports, next slide. Yeah. Yeah. There's this weird thing with slide count. Um, People go, I've got 20 minutes and I've got 40 slides. I need to cut my slides down. And what happens is 40 slides becomes 20 by taking the content from the 40 and forcing it onto 20. That's that's a big thing I see a lot with a lot of people I work with. Yeah. So they're in their mind they think, tick, I've done the 20, but it's double the amount, right? So, right. so it's the same amount of time to present, which means you're going to rush through it, whereas yeah. what you need to do is cut the content down yeah. to get more concise in the delivery of the content. And so 
I'm actually a fan of expanding the number of slides to slow down the release of content. Yeah. Aid that connection between presenter and audience. Yeah. And I think too, you know, there's, and we all, I did it at the start of, we've always used Zoom to run things in between face-to-face immersions, but I think so many people I'm guilty of it the first two weeks of COVID trying to have the, I've got a full-on studio, but I think it comes down, I I call it um, headset, heart set and tech set. Mm. So, I, you know, the headset's the skill, the knowledge, the heart set's the connection, which I think if you do that at 90%, you're there. And then the tech set is just the conduit to get your message across, right? Because I see so many people with these whiz-bang, amazing studios. There's no connection. No one's listening. So I think it's a good idea to go back and go, am I connecting? That's that's your number one question, yeah? Absolutely. And take time, like, take the slide down, ask a question of the audience, re-engage. But obviously there is tech that a lot of us use to support that where you can be on screen within your presentation. But even if you haven't got that, create moments, do three to five slides, stop, take the presentation down, check in. Summarise, we've just covered this section, set up, we're going to this section, back into the presentation. It just creates that. It breaks up the flow. Yeah, that's it. Aren't they sort of? Yeah, I talk about breaking up the flow to to make make a story flow, which sounds counterintuitive, but by punctuating stories like chapters of a book, yeah, yeah, you, you increase the engagement to the content, and again, you're yeah. slowing down the release of the content to be in control of that and keep your yeah. audience connected to you. And so, even online, doing that, and I think online again, it's if I run a half day workshop online, I have to be really cognizant of how oh. I'm bringing the audience back in to connect them back to the content, right, and wander That's off. Right. Um, and so even a 30, 40 minute presentation online, just break up the time the slides are on screen to create that reconnection with the audience. Yeah. I love that. And your breakout rooms or what, you know, breakthrough rooms, whatever you want to call them. Something I did a lot, especially we ran a lot of full day programs and I'm very high energy. So we got great results with it, but I'd get people to go for a walk at lunch. I'd get them to go and grab a kitchen utensil and say, you know, if I was running something on um, communication, what's a kitchen utensil that encapsulates how you communicate? I did it with an engineering group, so I'd someone bring a Thermomix and it got went next level. But I bought out a four-sided grater around little zesters like little chunks of info, gratings like bigger chunks, yeah. you know. So it's just, just breaking it up and, um, yeah, I, I love that. So what what are the main trends in present presenting at the moment? What are you seeing? Are there particular themes or ways of presenting? What are you seeing? I think one of the negative themes <laughs> is trying to get more content in. Um, yeah. there's there's yeah. there's this pressure because we're we we are still meeting face to face less than we were previously. That's and right. it's hard to get teams yeah. together because particularly physically together because we've got hybrid mm. um, and different days in offices and all those sorts of things. So when people get the opportunity to present, even internally, I'm finding people are cramming more in. They're, yeah. they're trying to go, oh, we've got an update. Yeah. Let's get everything into the update. Or we're going out, we've got a pitch opportunity, we've got to make sure we present every product we've got. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the problem is we overwhelm people. So yeah. rather than one thing sticking, we put yeah. six things out there and nothing sticks. Yeah, this is the paradox of choice where the more choice we give people, the less we actually sell that starts to kick in. And so trying, uh, there's a lot of work around um, simplifying the content uh, and concise in the content. Um, Narratives have also become uh, overall company narratives have become more complex, mergers, Mm -hmm. acquisitions, um, bringing divisions together. Yeah. And we've lost the focus on value. We've really got very functional in the delivery of a lot of messages. Yeah, I agree. It's like a tick and flip, get it out, you know, yeah. and it's it's almost too, you know, I, I have a bit of a rule with meetings or presentations or even emails. If you cannot put the key message as the subject line, don't have it, yeah. you know, and even even meetings, you know, people, a lot of senior leaders we work with will have team catch-up and I'm like, What's the one thing they're going to walk away with? I don't really know. So why have it? But if you know it, that becomes sort of the theme. A bit like slides. My slides are very visual. 
Um, but there's a key message for each one, like a sub, you know, a sub yeah. subheading type thing. Yeah. And that's the thing, if you think about off the back of online meetings, but then how work's evolved, we've got a lot more means of communication. Yeah, that's right. We now, it's now oh. acceptable to use text and instant yeah. messenger on yeah. top of email, on top of presentation. What's that? TikTok? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so the, the, the email is no longer the primary means of sending an update or following right. up. And so if the message, if the headline of the, the subject line of the email is update, well, why would I open that? Yeah, that's um, right. And so absolutely it's like the slide headings. The slide headings in a presentation should tell the story and yeah. land a major point of the slide, which you then bring to life on the slide. Um, yeah. And then email construct is the same. What is the point of this email? That should That's be the subject right. line. And the first body of the text should explain and, and unpack that yeah. headline of the email and give me a reason to keep reading on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I um I love absolutely love that. And, and virtual presenting, I always say, you know, if it's over half an hour, stand up, you know, double your energy, all that sort of thing. I'm a big believer, and I'd love to talk to you about this around energy. I'm I'm very much, you know, read a room to lead a room. Um, and I I'm high energy, so when I'm with people like me, it's easy. But when I go into banks, and I actually have to. And they're like, no coffee for you, Renee. Have to adjust. Still get through, but it's much easier for me to be in flow around people that vibrate at a similar energy. How important is energy, I guess, to to align and be congruent with your message? It, it's. I'm like, yeah, I, I face to face larger rooms. I've been in Melbourne this yeah. week, um, in in rooms with people for full days, and and. Yeah. So I feed off that energy. I find if I do a workshop online or a keynote online, I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's a different, yeah, you're spot on. It's you're giving different. energy, you're not getting energy back. I feed off the room, a keynote, um, a thousand people in a room, I feed off yeah. that energy and that. that. Now it's my job to create that energy as yeah, the facilitator right. or the speaker. It's my job to create the environment where the audience mm. is engaged and brought in. But yeah. the room gives me energy. Um, online, you have to. Re- the, the the only thing that's good online, not the only thing that's good online. There's lots of benefits to online, um, including reduced travel. But one of the nice things about online is when you've got a live comment stream. Yes, I love You're that. Zoom, people yeah. are commenting live, and you can bring a question yeah. in. It's very dynamic, and actually, yeah. that's quite that's quite stimulating as a facilitator yeah. presenter, where you're getting this live sort of ticker yeah. feed questions, and you can bring that into your content. And it's causing yeah. you to think and deliver at the same time. And change like direction if need be. Yeah. And yeah. so I've actually started to bring that into now my face-to-face delivery with yeah. you know tools where people can post live questions yeah. and comment stream up on the screen and yeah. make it more interactive. So that's a, that's a definite mm-hmm. benefit in the online environment that we haven't yeah. had previously in the face-to-face environment. Yeah. Um, I, I, do, I do think you match energy, but I also think – if you're the leader and you're leading a room, whether that's as a town hall, as a, a CEO, an entrepreneur, mm. uh, as a facilitator, it's your job to create the energy that is right, right for the environment you're in. And I so agree. If you're flat, the room will be flat. Yeah. Uh, and if the message is flat and the room's flat, then yeah. everyone's going to walk out with shoulders down, a little bit slumped. Um, and so I think you have to create the energy to an extent match the energy. You've always got to be slightly ahead of it. A high, I always say 20% up because yeah. I think energy and we do a lot, I do a lot around energy and that side of things. Energy to me is it, it's a it's make or break, but it helps build rapport. I have a thing called the 312. So your first 12 steps, your first 12 words gives the first 12 seconds of how people feel about you. And someone asked me the other day, like in a room that's coming in with energy, something good to say, not, oh, how crap's the weather, we'll, we'll get through this meeting in a minute. It's, hey, value your time, guys, let's get into it, you know, that sort of thing. But it's the same on a Zoom and I always encourage leaders or whoever's presenting on a Zoom, I do, I get on 10 minutes early. I always get a few participants coming early. You, you shoot the breeze, you build rapport and then you're ready to sort of lift off and set, it sets the, team, the scene and the tone for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that positive start. So I, th- I talk about um, the pocket story for leaders yeah. um, and particularly emerging leaders. When you walk into a room, what's the thing that you've done, seen, read, 
your mm. business has achieved recently that you're proud of that gives you something to enter that conversation you know we've just won this award or we saw this great piece of work or yeah um, the marketplace has shifted recently or i saw this in the press about mm. your business that lifts the conversation so you're prepared it's like a little it's almost like having an index card in your pocket where you read a little story of something you've seen that yeah. takes you away from oh wasn't the weather terrible at the weekend yeah. um which is you know or my team my team lost the footy today <laughs> For those in Australia, one I love that. I, I think that's important. That's and that's what I mean about the first twelve words. Whether it's an update, a compliment that's genuine, not too Pollyanna. So I do a lot on optimism um, and the energy of optimism in in cultures. And something I do with all all my workshops and presentations is who and what are you optimistic about. And what it does is it gets just asking that question makes people become more optimistic. And Victor Purton, who's a good friend of mine, he's the CEO of the Centre of Optimism, and I interview him in my book, and he went around the world with that question. So people in third world countries to the UN, and it's such a great question and it brings gratitude in mm. because I think gratitude and resilience underlie optimism and I know that helped me a lot in COVID, even even before presentations when we had back to backs. It's how lucky am I to be able to still make a difference? Yeah, you know, from from home, right? Yeah. So I love that setting the scene. Really important. Um, I got some of your amazing lessons that you sent through, and I love when two things appear to be the same. The one that has an emotional connection will win over the one that doesn't by Seth Godwin, who I love as well. Love that. Yeah, I think we, we un, it's, it's a weird thing in business that we sometimes fear emotion. Yeah. It feels yeah. soft and, um, and, and the word emotion leads us into feelings and we don't like talking about feelings, but we are emotional beings. And in business communication, so emotion doesn't have to be the leader has to cry or we have mm. to be telling jokes. It's, Emotion creates stronger memories yeah. and attaches yeah. us to products and um, the stories that we hear. And it's why we buy expensive fast cars. Mm. Uh, there is no rational reason to yeah. buy a sports car. No. There are a million emotional reasons to buy a sports car. Yeah. Uh, linked to status and how we feel and what it says about us. And that's why we don't all drive small two-door cars, which are perfectly functional and do what most of us need to do, which is drive yeah. one person around. Yeah. So emotion is the key to forming really strong, powerful memories that are easy to yeah. recall. And yeah. when we don't have that, then price becomes the determining factor. That's right. That's right. And bringing emotion in congruently. You know, you see a lot of, I shouldn't say it, but a lot of TED Talks, they're just, I've seen the same talk in eight different places and it's rehearsed. I think you've got to bring in real emotion at that time. Um, I do a lot of work around emotional clearing. I've, I've always done it, but I've officially brought it into a lot of our corporate stuff and people are so open to it. And I think now with that human piece and, you know, vulnerability is getting a bit overdone, but I think just being the real you um, the emotion also helps us to deal with, I think, one of the number one barriers to presenting, which is nervousness. Mm. You know, we all know the statistics. You and I thrive on it. I, I've had friends watch me do keynotes that have left because they felt physically sick seeing me up on a stage. <laughs> Everyone's different. What are some tips for those people that have got the IP and the thoughts and the intention? but literally feel physically sick getting up and presenting? That's a good question. Um, so, I, again, I, I believe confidence starts in your content. Yes. So when you know, firstly, when you know what you've got is of value to the audience you're presenting to. Yes. That is, I know who my audience is, I know what they care about, and I've got, I've got something to say that's of interest to them. Mm. Orientation is already I'm here to help them. Yeah. Then I structure my content to help me, number one, present that content. So I've got slides with clear slide headings. I've got key points called out on the slide. Yeah. And at worst, if I just remind myself by reading the headings, what I'm trying to say, I can get through this. Yeah. The fear of, because what, what what's fear? The, the, the nervousness comes from fear and the fear yeah. comes from forgetting what to say, 
they're not interested in what I've got to say. Mm. Why am I here? Imposter syndrome. All yeah. of that fear is bubbling up from mm. that, that nervousness is bubbling up from those fears. So if you're confident that you've got something to say that's a value to the audience because you know what they want and you've reorientated your content, content yeah. to make it a value to them, you've yeah. structured it to help you present it, you've structured it to help you to prompt you at key points through the presentation, you've yeah. paced it so that you're not going to rush through it and you can take a break, mm. you've got a question slide, something to help you slow down. Yeah. And I focus really, really heavily on like your 12 steps. Um, in the first couple of slides how are you connecting with the audience that's how are you telling a story that they yeah. can relate to i saw something on, my, on the, the way here today and i thought wow what a great morning to be presenting and yeah and yeah that's something that. that's topical that people it could even be the latest news yeah. right yeah or i saw this in the news today and i thought oh no this is not the day i want to be doing this presentation no the audience yeah. laughed <laughs> you're connected and now you can go oh, okay we're in the same room yeah, that's now right. I can get into my content. And so there's some little tricks around connecting before we get into the content yeah. um, that help with those nerves. But for me, confidence to overcome the, the fear starts long before you stand up on a stage or walk oh, into a room. Definitely. I always say the opposite of trusting yourself or trusting anyone is fear. Mm. So what am I fearing? And I, I, I'm a big believer. I love self-doubt because it's growth, right? I'm, I'm one of those. I think the day that you just complacent and walk in, you might be confident, but you're not second-guessing is the day that you, you have just become sort of status quo. I love what you said. It comes back to planning, like anything, and confidence. And I know that there's a model um, Matt Church shared years ago, which is, and I use it with, with any speakers bureau, when they bring me in, I go, do you want me to inspire or inform are the audience left or right brain? Normally they go, it's a bit of everything. <laughs> so I always please a few people and change the people. Yeah. Um, I love the story bit. I, I remember years ago I was doing a, a time manage. This is like 14 years ago, a time management, which course, which I call self-management now because time is time. And I was 20 minutes late because a truck going under the Burnley Tunnel full of apples, crashed, and my car and I were covered in apples. I was on the news, right? But the irony, I was going to a time, and I, <laughs> I am so on time. That's a big yeah. value of mine. I nearly thought about not even going. And a few of them were like, and then they saw it. <laughs> and it just was such a great way to break the ice, build rapport, and they're like, she's just human. We're all the same. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, that sort of um, uh, Bob Iger talks about fear, turning fear into courage. Yeah. And I think yeah, you, yeah. you have the belief that you've got something of value to share with people. Yeah. Then you can go to that courage place. And they're, 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 you'll never, I get nervous presenting. Yeah, yeah, I um, do, yeah. But I love that because it makes it's me cool. sharp. The day I'm not nervous in front of a thousand people or I put a headset microphone on stand on the stage is the day yeah. my content isn't right for that audience. I've got yeah. bored of my content. I'm delivering it too much. I need to change yeah. something up. Yeah. I don't want to be bored to the point no. where I don't have that fear to get those nerves no. because that energizes me. It yeah. it focuses me. Um, and so that 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 little bit of nervousness coming from that little bit of fear keeps us sharp. Yeah, it does. It give it gives you it gives you an edge. And I think um, the last question I'd love to ask you is: I'm very all my all my keynotes. I end up not on the stage, or mm -hmm. you know, the camera guy can't find me. <laughs> I, my stuff's highly interactive. Years ago, I'd got I'd get shunned for that. They'd be like, Renee, stay up there. I, I ran something to 400 people two weeks ago and I had everyone playing a new game, running a cut-through communication workshop, basically, keynote. How important do you think interaction is? I'm talking about leaders with teams, leaders on a stage, asking questions. How important is that in today's world? I think it's critical, again, to punctuate content, bring people yeah. in, to check understanding. yeah. There are two caveats to that. Um, lame questions 
and asking people to share between two people. So yeah. lame questions are questions which either can embarrass somebody mm. and make someone feel like they don't know something or yeah. you're just putting the question in to take a break yeah. and it's not really generating uh, a deep thought within someone who's like, how are we going? Does everyone understand where we're at? It's a little bit patronising. It's a lame question. Yeah. Um, you know, any questions is a lame question, um, as opposed to, hey, we've just done 10 minutes on X, Y, and Z. Um, love to know the three things you've taken out so far. Yeah, yeah. I love that's that's now that's I've got to think about that. Style. Yeah. Thought process. Um, yeah. and then the it's a facilitator's game, I think, um, to buy to, mm. to trade time for getting people to go, oh, we've just shared some stuff. Now turn to the per- person next to you and, and yeah. share your experience. Yeah. Like, well, no, give them something more. Yeah. Actually, let's share that together. Let's have a shared experience. We can then have a conversation around. Yeah. So those so I think interaction is critical. Yeah, good. Um, to yeah. punctuate content, to bring people into the content and to check understanding of the content. Um I think I'm like you. I feed off questions. I find questions yeah. challenging, and, and the, the curly of the question, the more interesting. Like this is a, this oh, is a we haven't prepared for this. I don't know what you're going to ask next. You know, it's it's but it's a flowing, interesting, engaging conversation yeah. Yeah. because yeah. we're feeding off of each other's energy, but yeah. we're having to think about the questions and the answers each of us is giving. Yeah. And so I think if you can get into that kind of dialogue with teams and in, and when you're mm. delivering content, then that's then you know you've got an engaged audience. Yeah, love it. I love it. And I think it's almost speakers should be facilitating and coaching as they're speaking. It's become it's become more like a multi-dimensional mode of delivering a message, which is cool. It's not yeah. information out. And if you find that you've got you know, 90 slides and an hour and a half of information out, question, question, how could that be 45 minutes yeah. and an interactive, not necessarily and a workshop, but how can yeah. you punctuate that content to check understanding, bring the audience in and, and ensure there's value. Right? Someone's giving up an hour and a half of their time. What do That's they want right. from them? That's right. I love it. I love it. So I'd love to ask you for our listeners out there, if there was one, if they're thinking about I present, I can take it to the next level or I've really never presented because I've been hiding behind whatever it is, fear, lack of trust, What's one key thing someone could do today just to move the, the needle towards being a really effective and impactful presenter? Uh, the, the simplest one um, always comes to mind for me is go through your presentation and make sure that the headlines of your slides tell the story. Yeah, beautiful. You or your audience just read the headlines, they'd get the story. Yeah, love that. So don't have about us, why us, oh. insight coming up next, mm. that's not going to help you present that content and it's not yeah. going to help the audience stay connected and follow along. That's right. So write the narrative of your story on a piece of paper, write that as the headlines of your slides. Yeah, I love it. It helps the nervous presenter and it helps an audience stay connected. Mm. I love it. And so it's a heavy lifting model too, asking questions, especially I always ask a question at the start, you know, and I hate to say this, but years ago you'd get introduced and then you'd go, I'd go, hi, and my name's Renee. And now I just go, imagine, and I just go into a question, pause for impact, and then go into it. I've I've absolutely loved chatting with you today. Before um, we let everyone know how they can get in touch with you and buy your amazing new book, I've got four quick little trivial questions. Okay. Last day on earth or last night on earth, what would you eat? Uh, sausage, egg and chips. Say that again. Sausage. Sausage, egg and chips with oh. beans. I love it with beans. Awesome. Favourite noise? Oh, uh, breaking waves. The, the the bigger the surf, the better. The energy in a nice rough sea breaking onto a beach. Uh, oh. really really relaxing actually uh and a uh, really creative um space to be yeah beautiful favorite word possibility possibility awesome and if and you we didn't get to go into your amazing being a pilot so you've done that but if you were to have a different career what would it be uh, so it was going to be blimp pilot. I'd say probably seaplane pilot today um, because of where I live on the northern beaches. I'm surrounded by water. I love flying. Um, yeah. Having a, a plane tied up at the end of a – I don't have a boat wharf, um, but if I had yeah. a boat wharf, 
I had like a plane tied up at the end of it. And then I'd like a little seaplane business um, in and out of beautiful islands because um, I love sharing what I do yeah. uh, with people who have a passion for the things that I'm interested in. Yeah, and I think that, awesome. that would be a beautiful mix of um, of things to share. Yeah, absolutely love that. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, David. Renee, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, such a great conversation, such a great connection. Um, yeah, so just resonate with everything you're saying. I love your energy. How do people find you and how do they buy your book? So davidfish.com.au is the website. Um, there is a, um, you can buy the book from the website, um, which will come directly from me and that will be a signed copy. Uh, it's also available online at all of the usual Amazons, Booktopias, Barnes Nobles, um there's a an ebook version um but uh i think as you found the the physical book is uh, selling much better than the um the ebook version and then my email is just fish at davidfish.com.au amazing we'll have all david's contact details and you're obviously on linkedin david as well sam yep. yeah um, david's underscore fishy fish yeah, okay we'll put them in the show notes um, so thanks again, David. Thank you to everyone out there that's been listening or watching. As always, if you have any topics that are top of mind or people that you'd love us to interview, please let us know. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it. And if you're happy to write a review, that would be amazing. Um, we have some upcoming public programs and Cook Connect corporate team building one-day retreats. So go to renegeruso.com for more information. Otherwise, wherever you are in the world, have an amazing day or evening. Thank you for listening to the Limitless Leaders podcast. So you don't miss an episode, make sure you follow the show in your favourite podcast app. Feel free to share this podcast with your family, friends and work colleagues. If you're enjoying the show, Find out more on what we do at RG Dynamics at www.renegeruso.com. Until next time, be limitless.